Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, a.k.a. Eternal Hammer. I'm joined by regular co-hosts Zach, a.k.a. The Hoff, and George, a.k.a. Whiffy Penguin. And we welcome back to the show special guest star, Dunkle Still. Say hello, Dunkle. Hello. <laughs> um, we've got one classic event that fired this week, and we'll be bringing you um, the full roundup of the event, including the, uh, the decks that made the money, and a look through the deck list at the tech. Um, George has gone away and worked on the Infect deck from last time. We're going to have a quick look at some uh, new Phyrexia spoilers and discuss the release of Urza's Destiny on Magic Online. So to kickstart the program today, I'm going to hand over to, uh, to George, uh, who's going to take us through the first event that fired uh, this week on the 3rd of April. All right, so uh, we've got the one and only event this week, and coming in first place was Vile Fish with the Wild Dog. Hey, another clammy. Uh, that's right. He's been doing really well the last couple of uh, events. And placing with different decks in, in uh, some of them, too. So he, he's good at playing multiple uh, archetypes. Looks pretty standard from the last time we saw him. Um, not much of a change. Not much really to talk about that hasn't been said before about fish. No Gilded Drake. No Gilded Drake, but he does have three swords and two Cold Eye Selkies to fight against. If I remember correctly, he was also running two uh, Meddling Mage in the main. Doesn't look like they're there anymore either. Yeah, maybe their Spell Pierces? Four seems like a lot. Yeah, I think he changed it to Spells for sure. Anyway, it looks strong. I think it's a good deck. Uh, What do you think, Dunkel? Yeah, it's definitely strong and has the best showings in the last weeks. And Well, I'm not sure about the Drake, but I've never played the deck. But I like it more than Leyline, for example. Or too many Leylines. Yeah. Um, and we've got the uh, the Yixlid JLo, which we should mention has got a new promo art this week. That's pretty cool. Now I can have four foil ones, because I never really worked hard on getting original ones in foil. Yeah, and Dunkel and I were discussing the art on the promo. Excellent. I was saying I really like it. I think it's better than the old one. And uh, he was saying, yeah, but he likes the old one. And then I, I, I stopped and I took a look at the old one. And I have to admit, the old one is pretty ridiculous as far as the art goes. It's pretty creepy. I don't know. I kind of like, uh, like the tab scrolls flying around the art in the new one. Yeah. What do you think, Dunkel? Yeah, the background. Yeah, exactly. As I said, the background is pretty cool, but I I like the zombie itself less. <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel the same way. The zombie from the original arc is better, but I like the uh, background. Or whatever. It is pretty strange creature. So, um, so yeah. So coming in uh, second place this week was uh, Timmons running a stormless, and uh, deck looks pretty strong. It's all spells, you know, minimal lands, fifteen. You usually can't really run less than that well. Um, but the deck has all the, the stuff that you want to see, like the Lion's Eye Diamond, uh, Yogg Will combo, and it has two Yogg Bargain. What do you guys think about that? Well, I sold him those two Yogg Bargain, and he told me before the event that he was going to be running this deck, uh, so I'm not surprised to see him 3-1 with it. Um, it looks fairly, fairly kind of uh, how, how we, we imagine the deck would, would kind of pan out from, from an earlier podcast. Um, it's got the powerful Lion's Eye Diamond Infernal Tutor 
engine there to, to power out um, whatever it picks out from the tutor. And, and once you've resolved the bargain, you, you're pretty much going to go all in and, and win that turn. Um, and disruption with uh, Thoughtseize, and um, yeah, he obviously did well enough to, uh, to hit the money with the deck. Um, yeah, I, was, I talked to him, and he said that the bargain won him one game that no other spell would have. So that's cool. And But oddly enough, he lost to Fish. <laughs> he was able. He was actually able to beat up on shops in round one too. Yeah, that's that's good that you had some insight from how it, how it played out for him. Uh, the sideboard's fairly interesting. He's got um, four Leyland of the Void and the Helm of Obedience to to bring about the uh, the combo there, and enough main deck tutors to find that solo um, helm as well. And he's also running the old um, Tinker Tinker Robot targets um, in in the sideboard too along with some additional disruption in the form of duress. So um, he's obviously given that some thought as well. Yeah, looking at his sideboard, I can definitely see why he might have had a problem with it. Like, I want to call it that. The Leyline-Helm combo might fight it a little, and so will Tinker, Tinker Blakesteel. I mean, yeah. that's not favorable against Fish by anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah I mean... This is set up a lot differently than the one that I have. Um, I don't know which one is better. I don't have bargains in mind, though. Well, the deck is definitely interesting and strong, and I've lost it. Yeah. The one thing I don't like in the main deck uh, is we'll take Key and Time Vault, because uh, once you got the bargain out, or Will, or Necropotence, or whatever, you just storm the opponent anyway, and the combo looks kind of useless. I wonder he doesn't play uh, Kills Recall or Rebuild Main. With all the shops in the meta, and yeah, I'm not sure about the sideboard. The plan itself is interesting, but when is it better than just storming the opponent? Yeah, I mean the way my sideboard is set up, I've been trying to get into an event for weeks to do it, but um, I've got four of the druids, four orchards, and two elephants in my sideboard, and I only sideboard against shop decks. Yeah. The bargain itself is pretty strong in the format, as, except for two decks and dredge, okay. No one plays creatures, so in most cases against Ulf or the Mirror or whatever, you just draw 20 cards or 18. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I have no idea it can lose uh, once you resolve the bargain. I wonder if he doesn't play three or four. No, you'd play more he than two. Two. Uh, mm, probably more, uh, probably more <coughs> cabal ritual or something. I think the other issue was as well is this event fired like within a couple of hours of uh, the original Urza's Destiny pre-release, and uh, he got two copies of the card from me, and he was scratching around for for a few more. I, I don't, maybe he just didn't get them in time. Oh, that's true. Oh yeah, the, my, maybe a reason yeah. So what would you what would you do to fit those in, Dunkel? Would you literally just take out the key and the uh, time vault and put two of those in? Uh, <clears throat> I'm actually not sure what to put in. There are a lot of cards, like more rituals, more uh, or another mystical tutor or ponder or something. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a looks like a pretty strong deck as is. I wonder I wonder how many games the vault vault key won for him. Well, in one game he got the key out of me, and at least at least it's, it's confused me. Yeah. 
I mean, the other interesting thing with this deck, I guess, is the sadistic in the in the sideboard. Um, presumably coming in for against Oath. Seems it seems unnecessary. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it has a really pinpoint precision kind of a, a sideboard card like a leyline or a Yixlin Jailer against Dredge. It seems. Kind I of don't know. You you resolve this on turn one, and you take their three creatures. Yeah, but you can just win on turn two, and and Sadistic Sacrament could be a better card in your deck. True. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, e- either way, it seems like uh, Sadistic Sacrament's one of those cards that maybe could be used to shore up the fish matchup or a little bit more. So I, I don't know. And what was the what was the next deck in the event there, guys? This was a good game oath variant played by Captain Mushroom. Uh, not heard of Captain Mushroom before, but interesting uh, user ID. Um, looks like uh, a fairly. T- I was going to say the interesting thing about Captain Mushroom is this is the first classic event that he's played in, so he's a new classic player, and ah, okay. he's playing like, you know, one of the most expensive decks in the format without a problem. So, whoever else is out there like Captain Mushroom, start jumping in these events. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're already playing uh, Legacy, then to to get this, well, this is probably yeah, like you need uh, the Oaths and the Mana Drains and the Tinker and the Time Vault. So he's got a pretty, uh, substantial commitment to Classic in this deck list. But yeah, it's, it's a fairly typical list, so um, we probably shouldn't dwell too long on it and and move on to to the next player. If you want to introduce it, George. Um, we have Sar Basher playing a shop deck. Um, it looks like it is. It's got four lightning bolts in it, which is kind of interesting that he would play red for lightning bolt, but not goblin welder. Um, I I have to assume that that is for the fish matchup. Trigon uh, predators. Yeah, I really love Lightning Bolt in in this format. I, I think I mentioned it before, but I mean it it does hit quite a lot of the the key targets in, in the moment. It takes out Lodestone Golem. It's really good against um, Jace the Mind Sculptor. It's good against the Fish matchup. Uh, so yeah, I, I really really like Lightning Bolt. And and worst case scenario, you can always like offer an Orchard token for a turn to try and uh, delay Oath as well. And and, and it, if all fails, you can just go straight to the head. <laughs> So uh, I, I do think it's a good card for the for the, for the environment at the moment, and uh, I guess being able to to down a, a dark confidant as well. Um, yeah, there's that, and then he's got the Koldutha Forge Master key combo in here. Um, the sideboard has more red for Ancient Grudge, which seems good against the mirror, and then a couple of blasts for blue decks that are you know for the red. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it looks like a good deck. I, the only thing out of the box that looks like is the lightning bolts. Everything else is pretty standardized. Um, he's got Palladium Mur, which not a lot of people play. I know. Well, <clears throat> the deck is a bit unfocused for me with two Grim Monoliths and two Mur and, yeah, the Forge Masters. Oh, and four Bultai Key. Yeah, four Bultai Key. I, I also don't see a lodestone golem or uh, the palladium mers and the grim monoliths as well as the other main artifacts. Yeah, sure, but that's pretty weak. I mean, you could just play Chalice of the Void, which is the better card in 
most cases. Have four of them also makes uh, Kuldotha Forge Master better. That's really narrow. Why is it narrow? It's like the centerpiece of his deck. It's a one. There's if he gets, very few it, times he's gonna want to sacrifice five artifacts for two. Three artifacts for one. You're playing with four yeah, voltaic. Keys. Untap it. You're, you're talking about doing it twice. No, I'm saying you're playing with four voltaic keys. You'll almost never have to tutor for that voltaic key. The problem is, even if he uses the Forge Master for something else, nothing is that powerful. He can't think of a Blight's the Colossus or whatever. He's also playing 61 cards, which is interesting. Ugh. <laughs> well, actually, I think the deck is just bad. And, yeah, random Lodestone Golem or a lot of Sears just win. It's shop. Alright. So, uh, it looks like the last deck in this event was a, uh, is this labeled right? It's, uh, no, it's, it's incorrect. It's Oath Elephant. Okay, yeah, it's, we got an Oath Elephant list, and, you know, it'll look good for you guys. <laughs> Stacks <but>, uh, Elephant. <laughs> it was labeled Stacks Elephant, so I was a little bit confused. But it looks like a, a Oath deck with, uh, Disaster Dollar and Emerald, which is, you know, pretty, it's shown itself to be pretty strong in a, uh, in a format with uh, a lot of stacks, which I don't know if this is, but it's definitely stronger in that format than against Fish. And uh, what do you guys think about it? So, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. Uh, what do you think about it, Andy? Yeah, I guess it's a pretty typical um, Elephant Oath uh, deck. Um, I guess the problem with Oath is it, it needs so many core spells that there's not an awful lot of room left for, for innovation. So a lot of the deck lists tend to look pretty typical. Um, there's not anything that's jumping out that I'd really like to comment on, other than the the spell bomb in the main. Um, yeah, the spell bomb looks pretty cool. That's a nice little out to dredge game one for the possible extra couple turns. But yeah, I, I agree with you. What do you think, Dunkel? Yeah, exactly the same. To be on just oath, and yeah, there's no much room for improvement. Okay, George. Um, this deck list looks exactly like the one that I was playing a month ago or two months ago. So yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up that event. Um, seems like you got some cool innovation at the top. You had uh, Fish Storm, two Oaths, one Good Game, one Elephant, and Stacks. The only big tier deck you don't see there is Dredge, and it's been in the top lately. So it's a pretty cool just event. A quick question. Quick question for George. I'm looking at that Oath list, and I'm just wondering: Have you ever tested Gifts Ungiven in an Oath deck? Uh no, I have not. I'm I'm just wondering whether that that could work because I mean this list as well with the regrowth I guess that's really what kind of triggered that thought um, there'd be some pretty interesting packages you could go for I mean you've got the you've got the time vault volcanic key Yagmoth's will and the regrowth but I'm sure you could put together some pretty interesting gift packages with the Oath of Druids as well yeah I'm sure it's done you could even go and get four different lands against shop decks yeah sorry just to kind of like Random thought. Oh yeah, no worries. Um, you wanna you wanna wrap us through the uh, roundup there, Andy? Yeah, sure. So um, fa thanks again for George for uh, diligently filling out the uh, the event here. We had uh, four shop decks, and uh, as we've seen um, shop shop seems to be on the decline slightly at the moment. Although um, we did get one one of the decks um, making the money this time out. Uh, two elephant oath and a good game oath. Two dredge, none of those were making the money. 
Um, the black, red, white, vile fish deck, which um, I'm, I'm guessing was... Um, oh, who was playing? Hey, that's right, Scorpio, thank you. Um, there was a blue affinity deck, vile bant, a budget uh, maygreen deck, um, that sounds bad, bargain storm, which made the money, and snake city vaults. Dunkle, was that you? Yeah. You didn't make the money again? Mm, yeah, the deck is... Pretty hard to play and extreme. Also, the problem is, I just lose to Chalice when I don't have the force of will. Chalice well, is void. Yeah. Hate is gonna hate. <laughs> and and <laughs> one person, one person joined and dropped. Uh, so that rounds out the uh, the 16 decks that entered that event. Um, so moving on on the agenda, we've got. Um, George has uh, been re reinvestigating the idea of running Infect for Classic. So, George, do you want to talk us through the, the current deck list that you've come up with here and maybe give us some, some flavor of how you arrived at it? Yeah, um, a few weeks ago when I saw this, I had messaged one of our clanmates, Caxon, about it, and he seemed interested in it. And then uh, earlier in the week, I, I PM'd him after we had done our podcast and talked about the legacy version and asked him if he wanted to brew with me. And he agreed, and we sat down, and we were building it. And he he wanted to try and get in Force of Will, and we thought about all the different ways that we would uh, need to get the maximum amount of blue cards to play it. And so that's that's how we got to Master of Ethereum, which also has the bonus of making our infectors a little bit bigger. Um, that's how we got to Thoughtcast. And then... The last three blue cards, the Annals, we were waffling back and forth on should they be land, should they be more infectors, should they be uh, blue cards, should they be mystical tutors to go get Tinker, because Tinker's really important in the deck list. And we decided that um, with Oath of Druids being a really tough matchup, that Annal would probably be the best option. Um, but basically, I mean, it's it's... A, it's it's a bad affinity deck, I guess is the best way to say it. But you, all of your creatures do have double strike. Um, I handed the list off to Endless Nameless on Moto, and he played it a, a little bit because neither Caxon or I had uh, Ravagers or some of the commons and the Master of the So we didn't get to test it, but he did, and he said that the games where he drew the cranial plating were insane and he couldn't lose them. Um, but that the deck kind of petered out a little bit in the middle. Well, it looks like an interesting experiment. I'm glad you kind of picked it up and uh, moved it forward. Um, do, do you have plans to kind of gather the cards that you're missing and, and start testing it yourself, or are you going to just kind of put it to one side and, and cast it off as an interesting uh, little adventure? Well, if I can get the uh, Ravagers then I'll consider it, because they're the only card that's expensive that I'm missing. But I don't I don't want to put out, you know, $30 for a uh, place at a Ravager's. I'm sure someone in the clan's got them you can buy. It's possible. If I can get my hands on them, I'll test it more. I'll test it with green. I'll test it with red. I think I think that the idea is cool with infectors and um, cranial plating. Oh, I don't, I don't either. 
but I think it has the potential to win some games against, you know, the tier one decks. I really thought you'd splash red with this and uh, bring in your Magus of the Moon. Well, I was when I was talking with Kex, and I wanted black for the tutors to go get uh, cranial platings or arcbound ravagers. Right, yeah, I mean, it's it's an inferior strategy for the format, but, you know, it, it might just have the potential to, to win some games. Yeah, and did, did you have a look at the green deck anymore, or did you just, uh, just concentrate on this build? Well, over the week I've been playing some uh, Saga, and I played I played the two, um, I played in two pre-release drafts for Urza's Destiny. Uh, so you've been pretty busy then. Yeah, so, and also uh, Invigorate costs a lot of money. Yeah, that's a six-ticket card, and uh, soon it'll be out and uh, be picking them up for a couple of cents, so probably not a good investment. Yeah, not just to test the deck that might be cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave uh, leave Infect possibly for forever on, on the soap opera, but it's been a, an interesting little uh, journey there, having a look at a new deck type. Um, next up, we've got some new Phyrexia spoilers, which have been uh, spoiled on uh, mtgsalvation.com. And uh, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let George in, um, introduce the first card, because I think he's a little bit excited about it. Well, okay, so the, the first thing is that all these cards were um, pictures of Japanese cards. So there's a very real possibility that these are not the exact wording of the card that we have now, because... They're translated from Japanese. Um, but the first card, Karn the Released. Everyone knows about it. They're all talking about it. I think it might actually be good for classic and shop decks, at least as a two-of, especially with the printing of Metalworker and the fact that Karn is so good that um, people might start playing more Grim Monoliths to get him out faster. He, uh, the reason I like him is because he gets rid of Oath of Druids, which is the worst permanent to see. Gets rid of some of the fish creatures. And if you can restart the game with, let's say, a Mishra's Workshop and a Beater, like a Lodestone Golem, and then a full grip of seven, depending on when you start the game, if it's your turn one and you've got Lodestone Golem, Mishra's Workshop, and you drop another Workshop and play another Golem, I can't see them winning. See some play, but not as a place that it's just not a it's just not a new Jace. Yeah. So, hmm, depending on the casual factor, thirty ticks, forty maybe, but I think thirty is pretty good. Yeah, my guess is that uh, about thirty-five. Andy, what do you think? You think it's going to be an card? No, I don't think it's going to be an expensive card. I think it's high. Highly overrated, and um, I, I just don't see it living up to the hype. <laughs> well, you know, these cards always get released for a reason, so maybe one side will be more surprised than the other. 
Anyway, uh, moving on, we got some white cards. And uh, the first one is a, uh, a mythic creature. It's uh, a legendary creature. It's a freighter. Its name is uh, Alesh Norn Grand Cenobite. Kind of like, like Cenobite a little bit. <laughs> What is a Cenobite? <laughs> I don't know, I kind of like Elish Norn Grand Cinnabon. Yeah, I think a Cinnabon sounds delicious. It's the Praetor of the Bakery. Yeah, so uh, it's a white card, it's five colorless and two white, it's a four seven. And um, the text reads it has vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and creatures your opponent can control get. Minus two, minus two. So that's a pretty crazy effect. Do you guys see that having any play in uh, an Eternal scene? Not even a little. No, absolutely no. none. The card might not, not even be good for uh, Standard. It's fantastic in EDH. Dunkel, what about Standard? Any chance there? A chance, yes, but... Well... Not this summer. Maybe in maybe in fall, but not this summer. All right, George, you want to go to the Andy? You want to go to the next one? I'll go to the next one because when I first read it, I was excited, and <laughs> and I asked George about it, and then he pointed out that I'd misread the card, and yeah, it's pretty meh for in a format on the back of that. So this is Norn's Annex, uh, three colorless and two infect, and the infect costs can be paid for. Either white white mana or two life, three attack you or planeswalkers you or you control unless their controllers pay the infect cost for each attacking creature. So basically, if they want to attack you, they have to pay two life or one white mana to to swing at you. And I guess we've just got better cards in the format in terms of propaganda that do a similar kind of thing, which don't really see play and would probably be be better. So from an internal point of view, I, I don't see this game played. Um, the, I think the interesting thing about it is that it is a colored artifact. I'm, I'm a fan of colored artifacts. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Dunkel? Yeah. What's your view on it? Anyway, the question was, Dunkel, what do you think about Norn's Annex? Yeah. I can imagine this car is standard, but not in Legacy. There's a car that does exactly the same, but better. Also in white, I forgot the name, it's from this Kamigawa set. Yeah. Uh, well, Ghostly Prison, exactly. But standard and uh, also a nice card for EDH and Tassigal. Cool. Alright, well, uh, I don't really have an opinion on it, I think it kind of sucks. But uh, next card, Phyrexian Unlife. It's uh, an enchantment, it costs two and a white, it's a rare. And you don't lose the game for having zero or less life. And as long as your life total is zero or less, sources that deal damage to you have effect. So that, that's kind of a, a, an interesting concept. George, what did you think about that? I think that this is the best Lich ever printed. Um, you can't lose the game at zero. But unlike all the other matches, it doesn't set your life, uh, your life total to some arbitrary number. You have until 20 to 0 before the Lich turns on, and it just sits in play there. Yeah. 
And then yeah. once you once you get to zero, you gain ten life. But the thing that I really like about this is the way that it's worded is you can play this and then ad nauseum for your entire deck and still win. Yeah, that seems like a, a really strong indication of you know how good that card can be if if you know what we're saying is true. Uh, obviously, Ad Nauseum is still legal and extended for a long time, I think. So even an extended, this might have serious uh, combo repercussions. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is this coming up year is its last year uh, in extended, but that's still a whole year of unlife nauseum. Yeah. If if the word if the card is worded, and then I mean, it might not be good enough for Legacy, but it might also be good enough for Legacy. I mean, I always, I always kind of forget about how good. Uh, it, if it, uh, and I'm not saying it is, but if there's any good uh, uh, ritual type spells in standard, I don't even or in extended. Excuse me, I don't even really, you know, besides stuff like, is Manamorphose still legal? I'm not sure, but stuff like. I think Manamorphose is going to be gone, or is gone. Yeah. So I don't know, Dunkle. What do you think about other formats? Do you think this card's good? Well, yeah, uh, thanks for pointing out the combination between this and uh, Atmosium. I thought about Storm, but and not about Luna, but that the card makes you not lose to Storm, as you are immune to Tendrils of Agony. Oh, there's that but, too. Uh, and they're not going to be able to do 20 damage to you. They'll have to bounce it. But anyway, for extended, the cool thing is that it's legal for the pro tour in in during this fall uh, with um, monomorphos or monomorphosis, whatever. So yeah, the format may be pretty interesting, at least for one tournament and the few guys who are qualified for it, and then later another year in. Andy, what were your thoughts on this? Well, when I read it, I just kind of thought, ah, it's pretty, pretty poor. It's uh, two colorless and a white mana to basically gain you ten life. And uh, that was the view that I pitched to George uh, at the start before the podcast. And uh, George being George always sees a different angle and uh, came back and convinced me that actually maybe this isn't as bad as I first thought. So, um yeah, on first sight, I wasn't impressed, but I, I can see some applications of it having uh, had had them pointed out to me, and uh, it could be a card to watch, but I, I don't see it being overly exciting in the Eternal formats. Fair, fair enough. So uh, next we've got Pure Steel Paladin, which is a uh, double white two-drop... Um, 2-2 two, two creature. Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield, you get to draw a card. So he combos a little bit nicely with uh, Stoneforge Mystic there. And then Metalcraft, you can equip for zero uh, at any equipment you have. I actually don't like the card. I don't think it'll be good in Legacy. I know it won't be good in Classic. And right now, for the standard format, I don't really see it being good at all. I love this card. I think it's great. I think we need to print an equipment land. <laughs> that would make that would make it retarded. That would, I would be on board with it then. If you could drop a land that says 
uh, equip two, give a creature plus O plus one, or and uh, it taps for one. That'd be great. All right, so uh, Dunkel, what do you think about pure skill paladin? Mm, well, the card looks a bit underpowered for me. It's just a two two for two, and it needs more conditions to do something. But in most cases, it's too bad you don't want to play the mystic turn two, then turn three the paladin. And turn four, draw a card and probably equip. You could just have played a better card instead of the Paladin. And yeah, develop the board instead of playing a pointless creature. I mean, also it might, be good. Craft, it might be good when uh, Stoneforge rotates, but... We will see. And well, the Metalcraft looks a bit useless. A small Metalcraft card... <laughs> which aren't artifacts. Yeah, so far I think that the Metalcraft has been a little bit underpowered. Maybe maybe Watsi should have powered it at 2 if they wanted it to actually see constructed play. Alright. So, Dunk, will you want to take the next one? Suture? Suture? Priest? Suture, yes. Suture. Suture, okay. Well, looks like a nice card for limited and probably for standard, but that's it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put any stock in this path. Maybe standard. It may be interesting in extended uh, with the other two soul monitors. Oh, so they have 12 soul warden dot deck? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I suppose it would be hard to lose the game. At least for uh, regular damage. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? Uh, I agree. I think I'll really look forward to playing this unlimited all draft. Probably, probably like, like three of them, three. and I'd be very happy. But, uh, yeah, in, in standard, maybe... Uh, I don't really know. I know in Legacy it's probably not good enough, and I damn sure know it's not good enough for Classic, but... It looks like yeah, it's... So, um, moving on. George, you want to take the next one? Uh, Psychological Surgery. It is a two-mana enchantment, one in a blue. Uh, whenever an opponent shuffles his or her library, you may look at the top two cards of that library. If you do, you can exile one, and then you can put the rest on top of that player's library in any order. So, I mean, Cozy's Trickster is a better card than this in most ways, and it sees no play at all in any format. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as really playable, especially as a rare. If it was an uncommon, I could see it maybe getting played in limited some, but I don't know. No, nah, even in limited, even in it wouldn't get played. Not even in limited, yeah. Yeah, what do you think about it, David? Does it just suck all around? Yeah. As I, um, at the beginning, I thought that Cozy's Trickster is a pretty strong card, but when I played it, I saw it sucked, and yeah, I think the same is true for Psychological Surgery. I mean, it could be good in EDH, but... Yeah, a lot no, of cards are that. good in EDH, and <laughs> if you would start um, 
discussing every card for EDH, well, we could yeah. talk for a few centuries or something. <laughs> so what's the next card, Dunkel? <clears throat> it's a species transplantation, and it's a blue enchantment for four colorless and two blue. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, and creatures you control of the chosen type Creatures you control are the chosen type in addition to their other creature types. So, yeah, it's like this card from Mercadian Masks. Uh, conspiracy? the name. Yeah, Conspiracy, exactly, and yeah, ca casual fodder. I mean, Conspiracy was part of a combo deck, but it wasn't a good combo deck. Yeah, was it? Yeah, I mean... They played it with Rebels, but we don't have a creature theme that, that, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose if the next, if the next standard block has a strong lord or something, then this might be good, but, uh, yeah, it seems pretty terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't count on it, it's a five mana card, but it has nothing on its own, so. Alright. George, you wanna well, take the next one there? Alright, where are we? Uh, so, uh, we've got Chancellor of the Dross next. It's a seven mana vampire. Four and three black. And if it's in your opening hand, you can reveal it and drain life everyone at the table for three. And it's got flying lifelink for six six. Uh, multiplayer, and that's pretty much it. That's what I would assume. Um. I don't see it as being playable almost anywhere. I don't even think I'd play it in limited. Well, I guess I'd play it in limited. I take that back. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome in limited. Yeah, it's a six-six yeah. flying lifelink. Yeah, and and the opening ability is pretty decent too in limited. So yeah, I'd, I'd play it in limited, but that's it. Yeah, fed ranks are always cool in limited, but in standard, it's well, it's uh, like a mulligan to 6 or to 5 or whatever you are on, and yeah, a pretty uh, bad effect. I suppose I suppose an interesting line of play would be to have four of them in your opening hand and then only have to deal 8 damage. That would be a horrible hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, ne next we've got Glistening Oil. It's a 2 black enchantment. It gives a creature infect, which is kind of interesting. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a minus one, minus one counter on the creature. And when it dies, you get to bring back glistening oil to your hand. It sucks and it's unplayable. I don't know. See, I think this is pretty good uh, in uh, limited. Oh, in limited? Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunately a rare, so you'll only... There are even small tools. uses for standard. Yeah, it's probably a bit too slow for standard to just be repeatable creature removal. It's okay against uh, creatures like Birds of Paradise or Cunning Spark Mage, but I don't think that black needs uh, glistening oil to kill small creatures. Yeah, wouldn't it just rather play Black Sun Zenith? Or Mortar Pod? Yeah, Mortar Pod. So what's up next, Zach? Next we got Phyrexian Canceller. And uh, it's a horror, it's a creature. It's a really strong color cost, which is kind of common in black. It's black, 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 black. Um, it's a trample, 5-5, five, five, 
and uh, whenever a source deals damage to it, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. So, <coughs> it, you know, I don't see it as very playable. Five five for four has already kind of like proved that, like with Chosen Gen and everything. It's great, but it's time has passed, and this one, I think, is maybe a little bit, like, worse. I don't know. What do you guys think? I actually think he's a pretty awesome card that says have a removal spell or lose the game attached to it. But the mana cost is so constrictive. A removal spell? It's What? Like, what? Like, Like, go for the throat? Swords and Plowshares or go for the throat? Condemn... Something, something that removes it. I mean, you know, you say it's a five-five. It's it's a four-turn clock, but if they don't remove it, they're either going to lose from the five damage a turn, or they're going to get so far behind trying to kill the thing with damage. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I it just doesn't speak to me and say, "Wow, this is an amazing creature." I mean, you have to look at the context of that. You're going to be playing in like an all-black deck, so. They're not going to be able to keep creatures down on the table. So you don't think it's good unlimited outside mono black, right? I don't even. I don't think that I would bring myself to play that unless I had the ridiculous mono black deck. I don't know. What like do I don't. Think, I don't think I could play that with. Yeah, this I, I. I agree with you, Zach. In the most parts, it's well. Times have changed, and the card itself is just. It's a good creature, but that's about it. It's it's bad in racing situations. It's just a four-four, uh, a five-five-four, and only for one deck type. And this is mono black, at least in standard. And for other formats, it's too expensive. You don't really get four black mana. Okay, maybe in mono black in legacy, but black in legacy is is a bad deck since years. I agree. And, and, uh, and to make that a good opening in Legacy, you would need to have Mox Diamond Swamp Dark Ritual. Yeah, exactly. And that's like a mulligan for free if your opponent has swords to Plotress or a Force of Will. And exactly that's the problem. It costs four mana, and so you can't play it with a turn one Dark Ritual like the original uh, Negator. What makes it a lot worse. Yeah. Especially, especially for standard. Turn one, five, five. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Standard hasn't had turn one, five, fives in years. Yeah. I mean, recently, Wild Nactyl's been good in standard, too. That's a turn one, three, three. So you never know. Well, yeah, it's better for standard that it doesn't have uh, turn one, five, fives or something. Because, well, standard is not legacy or vintage. No. To be honest, I miss the days of turn one, five, fives. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm kinda interested to hear Dunkle's take on the next card, because I think it's kinda neat, and I think, you know, George, you thought it was kinda cool too. What, what do you think about Praetor's Grip, Dunkle? You wanna give everybody a heads up on what it is? Praetor's Grip for three mana, two black and one colorless sorcery, and you search target opponent's library for a card and exile it face down. And for the rest of the game, you may play it for its casting cost. <laughs> As thought it were in your hand and, well, 
it's it's worse than the other tutors because it doesn't relate to your game plan. But it's an interesting card. Maybe something for a sideboard. So in the mirror match, for example, you could just steal the opponent's card and make its chances worse to draw it. But I don't see it playing. I don't see. I don't think it will see much play. What about Invented, like when you can take an opponent's Black Lotus? Well, you have to invest your own Black Lotus and the grip to take it. For something similar, it's free mana. And for free mana, you can do a lot of things. And you could just play another tutor. I don't know. I think that uh, turn one Lotus grip their Ancestral Recall and play it would be a pretty strong play in Vintage. Yeah, but with any other tutor, you could just search for your own recall. And if right, your opponent but you steal, you steal their recall. But 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 I mean, if you if you play against Dredge or Workshop, you just remove a random card from a stack. Well, that I mean, that's that's absolutely true. But I could see applications in any deck running Praetor's Grip and stealing a Bazaar of Baghdad to use it to a positive effect. Yeah, the only problem well, with that is if they're playing with Bizarre Baghdad, they already have one in their hand. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's true, too. It's it's probably too slow for uh, Classic in the main deck. Maybe in the sideboard. It's an interesting card, but... I think uh, I think it, it's... The the place it's the best is EDH. Again, <laughs> you and EDH, you, you love EDH. I, I, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's my favorite format that I've never played. Cool. Well, you want to go to the next card, George? Uh, what do we got up next? Chancellor of the Furnace. Um, it's a 7 mana, 4 colorless, and 3 red for 5-5. Five, five. If he's in your opening hand, you can put a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token with haste onto the battlefield. So you get a free 1-1 uh, one, one attacker. And whenever you play him, or whenever he comes into play, you can put X... 1-1 one, one goblins in a play where X is the number of creatures in play. So, I mean, seems pretty retarded good in limited. Maybe he could be good if Big Red is good in standard, but not right now. Well, the card uh, reminds me of the old uh, microprose game Shandalar, where in these dungeons you also... Uh, um, Defeated some guy and then had a Lalua Elf or something at the beginning of the next game. And that is kind of cool and uh, nostalgic, but, well, even in limited, it's... Oh, wow, it has, it has another effect. I just thought it's a 5-5. Five, five. What is it, George? Except for... Uh, when you play, you get X token. Okay. X is the number Creatures you control. Yeah, that makes it a lot better. Yeah, so I agree it's also cool in limited, but... Yeah, that's it. For standard and something, it may have a chance to see play if there's some kind of weird token deck that wants a 7 mana permanent. Oh, that's cool. So, seems might be playable. I don't, I don't really have an opinion on it because it's not going to be playable in anything I do except for limited, which of course you probably play it in. Um, next card for me is uh, Invasion Parasite. And it's three colorless and two red, so five total mana for a 3-2 insect. It's a rare, and it has imprint when this enters the battlefield, exile target land. 
Whenever a land with the same name as the exiled card enters the battlefield under opponent's control, it deals two damage to that player. This ends it. So, it's probably pretty good against monocolored decks, but I think it's super duper marginal and pretty bad. Um, the five mana land destroy 3 2. Uh, the only cool thing is whatever land is exiled is gone forever. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd probably play it limited, but again, I don't think I see it having much of a constructed impact. What do you guys think? I don't even think I would play it in limited. You have to get rid of one of your lands, and it only works if they play the same color. You don't have to get rid of your land. It says exile target land. I'd get rid of one of theirs. And oh, it does say target land. land. Yeah, I still don't think that I would play it. I would. It's a 3-2 for 5. With land destroyed. Yeah, but it's coming on the back. It's coming into play so late in the game. And it's doing two damage to them, so they have to hold all their land of that type for the rest of the game, unless they want to keep taking speed. I don't know. I, I think it's good and limited. That's about it. I don't think it's limited, but it's interesting for a standard if there is more land destruction. So then the five mana is not really a drawback, but without them, yeah, it's just a. Retarded, expensive creature. <laughs> so, George, you want to take the next one, mate? Uh, Scrap Metal Fiend is a one red mana Lurgoid that is power and toughness equal to the number of artifact cards in all graveyards. So, I mean, this guy has the potential to be really, really good and probably just bad. Like, I don't think I'd play him in limited, but he might he might be really good in Legacy Affinity. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about Scrap Metal Fiend? Well, it's best suited for limited, I think. Depending on when you draw it, it's always a cheap threat, and probably around 3-3 three, three or 4-4 four, four or 5-5, five, five, which is kind of decent. For other formats, it's, uh, it needs some kind of some kind of combo deck like Magnivore, but without it, I, it will see any play, so it's for one type of deck and that's it, and either the deck sees play or it doesn't. Urabrask the Hidden. It's a uh, mythic legendary creature, a freighter, and it's three colorless and two red, and it's a 4-4. Four, four. The text reads, creatures you control have haste, and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield and So, um, I don't know, do you, what do you guys think about this card? George, you mentioned before the cast this might be a potential target in Dredge. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's better in Legacy Dredge than it is in Classic Dredge, but I mean, for the most part, when you Dread Return, it doesn't matter how many tokens you have, you're going to win the game. And this is just, it's bigger than Flame Can Zell it, so you can feel good about Dread Returning it on, say, turn two and then doing another Dread Return later, because he still gives you uh, all your guys' haste, and... On the off chance you have to pass, they can't play out creatures to block. Yeah. 
it's a I think cool he's pretty good in standard too. <laughs> I think he's pretty good in standard too, being a four-four acer. Yeah, I was saying it's a pretty cool card for EDH. Ah. I mean, <laughs> okay, this is our running gag today. So, yeah, for other formats, um, in Dredge, I, I don't see it in Dredge. The impact is just too low. If you uh, return the Zealot or Uber Rask or whatever, just winning anyway. So, in most cases, you don't even need to recur the whatever hasty creature. Yeah, but it's um, interesting for standard, I think. It combines two effects that haven't uh, that haven't combined together before. So it's hard to predict how strong it will be and if it does something. Uh, it's a mythic and I would invest in it, let's say it that way. Yeah, it seems it seems like um, some of the cards we're seeing, and maybe the way that the format's going to shape up it when when uh, Zendikar rotates, is that Big Red might be a great deck. So uh, next we've got Spawning Shell, which is three and a green Phyrexian mana symbol. Uh, it's an artifact, so interesting to see another colored artifact. And it's got the game text that you can pay one and a Phyrexian green, so that's either green mana or two life. You sack a creature and then put into play a creature from your deck that costs one more mana. So, I mean, this seems pretty good. You could go turn one, Birds of Paradise, Turn two, spawning shell. Turn three, turn the bird into a lotus cobra. Play a land and then play like a jace or something. Yeah, that would be a pretty strong series of plays. Um, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. I, these, uh, this, this is a weird ability that, you know, between the mana cost and what it does, we haven't really seen it before, besides cards like Aether Vial, which were completely broken, but had way different applications. Um, this, I guess, the counters are really the creatures that are in play. I mean, I guess it's kind of close to Aether Vial and what it does. I could see this having some impact. Uh, what about you, Dunkle? Is this the first time you've seen it? Is this uh, something you think would be good? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love it. It's uh, more like some of the fittest and not either while. The only thing that I don't like is the restriction of uh, one per turn and uh, sorcery speed. Okay, sorcery speed is uh, is okay with uh, comes into play, and it's uh, interesting for some for some kind of combo deck, especially with uh, with uh, fauna shaman still standard. So. I love it. I have no idea what to do with it, but I'm sure it will see play. In I'm not sure if legacy, but in standard and extended definitely. Cool. So yeah, well, I, I, you know what? To be honest, I didn't even see that it was uh, the most important part, which was search your library for a creature. Like that. I thought you were able to play with that, but that that is pretty amazing, actually. So. 
looks like a pretty cool engine just to go through your whole deck and find exactly what you're looking for. Um, and it doesn't even really need to be creatures built out of that pattern. If you're later in the game and you pay a 6-drop, you can still find a 7-drop, even if you didn't find it with that. Cool. It looks like a cool card. Um, next up was a card called Fresh Meat, and it's an instant for 3 and a green. It's uh, a rare, and it's put a 3-3 three, three beast creature token onto the battlefield for each creature you put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn. So, um... It looks okay. It looks like one of those things where unless you're going to have a specific combo made for it, like all your creatures are planning to die, it's not going to be too amazing. Um, you guys think of it any differently, or, you know, just kind of like... Well, it's the green anti-Wrath of God card. Yeah, so it's like the yeah. new... Uh, what's that old elf? Caller of the Claw? Caller of the Claw. Yeah. I mean, it's a good effect, but it's pretty format-dependent. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's the card has a cool name, and I'm sad that it doesn't uh, produce elephant tokens. <laughs> but, but otherwise, yeah, it's uh, like Hollow of the Claws, and it's a cool sideboard card if Dayalchman uh, is more play in standard. But yeah, that's it. All right. So uh, moving on to the last section here, Dunkle, do you want to take the first artifact that looks like Caged Sun? Yeah, of course. It's uh, an artifact for six mana. And when it enters the battlefield, you choose a color, and creatures of the color have plus one, plus one. And whenever you tap it for one of the chosen colors to produce, you get an extra mana of the chosen color. So it's uh, like Gauntlet of Might, am I right? Yeah. Like yeah, this card from Alpha? Marari's Wake? Oh no, I guess it's Gauntlet of Might for any color. Yeah. It's, um, like Mirari's Wake. It may see play with some other cards and some kind of weird control deck, but depends on the rest of the set, I think. I think that card is going to be, um, pretty popular and do pretty well. It seems, it seems like it's a really good engine card to build around. Isn't it Gauntlet of Might plus one mana to allow it to go to any color? Well, Gauntlet of Might costs four, doesn't it? Was it four or five? Yeah, but Gauntlet of Might also uh, only counts for mountains, so... Yeah. And it affects you, you your opponent, color. too, doesn't it? Doesn't it affect all mountains? Yeah, I think it also affects the opponent. <laughs> yeah, so I might be playing. I'm sure I would play it in uh, Limited if I got it late enough. I don't know if I'd pick that first unless I had a good idea of what archetype I was already in, but it'd probably see play. I mean, plus one, plus one, so you got a one-sided uh, for creatures you control, and the land is also your side, so you can kind of power something out, maybe. I don't know. Looks like a cool card, though. George? Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be great and standard. Cool. Cool. Alright, so uh, moving on, we had uh, Hex Parasite which was a one-mana artifact creature insect. It uh, is a rare, and it's a 1-1 one, one for one. Uh, X and the infect symbol. So the infect symbol can be paid with uh, black or two life. And uh, it's an effect. It's not tap. It's uh, colon. And it's 
target a permanent. Remove up to X counters from that permanent. And it gains plus one, plus zero until end of turn for each counter removed that way. And this card looks ridiculously awesome. It's another way to deal with Planeswalkers and Standard. Um, it has a lot of applications. I think this might even be a card that may be sideboard playable in Classic. As you can, you know, George was mentioning stuff like um, Chalice of the Void and Planeswalkers in Classic. I mean, it has a lot of applications. Um, There's also the application that you can lose as much life as you want in two uh, life chunks for for free. What do you mean? If you if you want to lose life, if there's a card in play, like let's say near death experience, and you're uh, at an odd life total, you oh can yeah, get. You can just do it times since it doesn't tap. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a cool card. I think it, it could have a lot of um, a lot of long-ranging impacts on different formats. Maybe, maybe even Elder Dragon. You never know. <laughs> Dunkel, what do you think about it? Yeah, I love this parasite, and I'm not I'm not sure what to say about it anymore. Um, it just does anything, and it's cool that they printed it that late. So it doesn't mess up with Jace at all. Or let's say Jace was for a lot of time pretty untouchable in standard, but now he's not anymore. Yeah. And yeah, the, the effect looks ridiculous. It also makes uh, infect creatures worse, at least uh, when they battle with your creatures. That's true. Looks for uh, looks like a um, multi-format also also for me. Andy, what were you uh, what were you thinking about Hex Parasite, Andy? Yeah, no, it, it seems it seems pretty strong. Um, it wasn't a card that immediately jumped out, but once uh, once you read about it and you think about its applications, uh, it's it's definitely uh, a card which which could could even see play in in, in classic as well. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't have infect for some reason. It just seems like it has that flavor, but it might have been too powerful turning it into like a four five or a four uh, one yeah. infect. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it also looks like he doesn't get those plus one plus zeros unless the counter was actually. Anyway, um, Andy, you want to take the next card there? Yeah, sure. So next up, we've got Screaming Whip. And it's a living weapon. You, you equip it for uh, two infect costs, and that's uh, either a black mana or two life. And the equipped creature uh, gets plus one, plus one for each bomb you control, and it costs four mana to get this thing into play. So, um, a bit, I think it was a, a card back in Mirrodin, was it, that equipped to give you plus one, plus one for swamps you control? Yeah, and it was pretty good in the mono-black control decks. Yeah, and an absolute bomb in, in Limited as well. I think this is the uh, same thought... thing. If there's a, if there's a mono-black deck in Standard, this is going to be fantastic. Four mana, you get a 4-4 four, four creature that you can pump up another one for zero uh, mana and just four life. Yeah, well, it's a cool card or a bomb for Limited, but... In standard, I'm not sure if you want to uh, waste slots for it. 
maybe a one-off in some weird white-black whatever deck with Stoneforge Mystic, but if you play mono-black, I don't think you want a card that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Alright, well, moving on here. George, you want to take the next one? Uh, sure, we've got Pristine Talisman, which is a three-mana signet. You can tap it for a colorless mana and you gain a life. Uh, pretty good in limited, and that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was saying before the cast, I think I played that in limited, especially in some of the dinosaur decks that I've been playing. Um, that would also keep up with the non-infect fast decks, like the red-white and stuff like that. But seems it seems like a pretty good card. It also attributes to uh, metal craft and all that. So I mean, I, I think it's limited playable, but that's it. Uh, Funny how what. And you think it's good for EDH? <laughs> <laughs> I like the artwork. It's pretty slick. Cool. It really is like a, uh, what, 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 it, you know what it looks like is the set from the original Mirrodin with like the blue black and the talisman? Yeah, talisman yeah. of dominance. Yeah, it looks like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, Dunkle, what do you think about that one? Good for limited? It's okay. Typical uh, last card or whatever. Sometimes it's better than a land, but... Yeah, it's a uh, fountain of youth with a, with a nice uh, benefit, let's say it that way. It's reverse fountain of youth. You gain a life and a mana. Yeah. Or that, exactly. <laughs> Cool. So, um, last card we had was uh, Artifact Creature, a horror, for two mana, and it was a rare. It's called Spell Splitter. Uh, it's a 0-4, and it has the blue infect symbol, and it says, uh, after the colon, which means, again, you don't have to tap for this, uh, it says, target spell or ability that targets only a single, single creature targets Spell Splitter instead. So... I was saying it was, it's just a weird card. Not a lot of stuff does this, but it's, it's, what's the white cards from uh, Apocalypse, Flag Bearers? It turns yeah. him into a Flag Bearer. So, I mean, that's kind of a cool ability, especially, he's fairly ca costed. You know, two mana for a zero four is like two mana for a Grizzly Bear, a two two. So, for what it does, it could be pretty cool. It takes away like lightning bolts and stuff like that in certain metagames. So, um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I suppose it could be good if there's lots of targeted removal in uh, standard, but I don't really like it. Well, are the haters gonna hate on it? And uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting if there is some kind of uh, combo deck where you have to protect the key creature to do something like in the Luren or something. But outside of that, I don't think it's any good. Well, you know, the other cool thing to keep in mind is just because one of the costs is blue, the other one's two life, so you could really play this in any deck like you're talking about. Yeah, true. It's pretty cool that you don't have to pay mana for it. And I'm sure there will be um, at least one card that is way too broken 
because uh, free mana cards or free effects or whatever always tend to be broken and yeah it, it may turn out that it's uh that it's the green artifact guy he might just be too good yeah i, I would be amazed if they can keep it in check yeah it never worked for a free uh, ability and well yeah, every single every single time they do it they mess up blood braid elf yeah they're awesome uh, time spiral. Well, the thing is, it, it, that one's a little bit different because it's not totally free, and you have to tap it. What the middle blossom? And the two life, and you tap it. So I mean, I agree, it could be totally broken, and it looks totally broken, but nothing about this one's totally free. Yeah, of course. Well, it's totally free that you can play in any color. So I guess I guess that's it for the uh, Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, new Phyrexia spoilers. But uh, Urza's Destiny came out and release events yesterday, so we it might be cool to talk about you know whatever experiences we might have had and what the, your plans, our plans are. Um, I actually did two pre-release drafts and. Going heavy black is pretty good if you can get a bunch of Senonite Shades. Uh, I went 2-1 and 3-0 in the two drafts I did. And I have to admit, the, the mono blackness of it was awesome. And on top of that, the release uh, sealed events are going to have Urza Saga and Urza's Legacy in it, which has a lot of money in those cards, and they pay out a lot of packs. It's a really good opportunity to jumpstart your ticket count. Yeah, I kind of want to get some metal workers somehow. I'd like to draft them, but we'll see. Dunkel, are you going to be playing any events for uh, Urza's there? Yeah, I've uh, already played one of these uh, sealed pre-release events, and, well, let's just say that I got lucky and opened Masticor. Oh, and, uh, I opened a Masticor in my draft that I went 3-0. Well, I randomly top decked it and it won and yeah, it was awesome. Funny thing was uh, that uh, except for, I think, Yabimaya, Granger, Eradicate and Masticor, I didn't play any Urza's Destiny card in my sealed deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty well, so it was mostly the previous two sets? Yeah, exactly. Uh, pretty strange feeling, but yeah. It was good enough for 5-1, and let's say I'm, satis I'm, I'm satisfied. Satisfied. Blah. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we have a good quote. You should, you should be quite satisfied about that. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So, Andy, you want to wrap us up, dude? I've been recording for freaking ever. Yeah, well, we'd just like to thank Pure MTGO for hosting us and uh, com for sponsoring us, and uh, we'll see you in seven. Alright, thanks, everybody. See you soon. Bye. See ya.